Greetings, all you Lost Geeks out there, and welcome to another episode of the Lost Geeks podcast. I am the Doc. And I am JT. Welcome to the podcast. And in this session, we will be discussing deities, divines, gods, goddesses, and the great mythos of what lies beyond the mortal planes of existence. But really, before we get into this, I would just like to quickly, uh, due to the subject matter, preface this in that we are in no way expressing our own beliefs or attempting to influence others into believing any of the topics we are about to discuss. This so, is fantasy after all, so <laughs> it may not need to be exactly. said, but just in case someone was thinking that these divinities that we made up are actually real life divinities that we worship they any it would be pure coincidence if there's any similarities so <laughs> exactly and geeks though we may be we are uh still living within reality so last yes. time i checked yeah. or in the matrix spoiler by the way that was my divine voice i'm going to be doing anytime i speak as a divinity in the campaign i liked it <laughs> cut me off guard with that hopefully i kept up with you <laughs> you did although you did you did steal some of what i was gonna say but that's okay that's okay <laughs> insolent mortal you shall cower at my supreme power <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, all right so let's go ahead and get started here so really when we're talking about deities divinities and there's different names for them and you're welcome to call them whatever you want i think we've decided in ours we kind of like divinities but Different groups in the world may refer to them as gods, goddesses, deities. It really just is more of a regional thing. I think personally, we're going to call them divinities, though, just for a little bit of <laughs> when we're talking about them anyway, just a little bit of consistency. Yeah. And when I was world building and going through, I had gone through like all the different names that they could have. And divinities slash divines just seem to have a nice ring to it. And it fit the style and flavor and just the feel I wanted our world to have. And that's really the question you got to ask yourself. There's really no right or wrong. It's just what works well for you. What's natural. And I guess getting into that is how divines really are an extremely important aspect of world building. I would say, and I even, I mean, obviously NPCs, dungeon building, all the stuff we've talked about so far, so far has an important role to play, but as far as the overall story, the society, the, the divinities mean so much to the world and how the different characters, different cities, different races, how they all interact with each other. Well, and if you just look at our world and how impactful our belief systems have been throughout the ages, going back to Greek mythology, how impactful that was. And it, I mean, wars have been, many wars definitely. have been fought over, and it, probably, typically speaking, at least in the distant past, that's the main thing they were fought over. Exactly. And so bring, you have to bring that same level of impact to the world, I feel, whenever you're going to have races worshiping or having knowledge of greater power mm -hmm. and then of course how much involvement do you want those divinities to have in your world are they going to actually take an active role in guiding different people or that you know how much do they interact or is it more they're worshipped and you know there are spells that are granted presumably by the divines it, it, there's a lot of that you can do with that too it, it's like i said it, there's no right or wrong answer to it it's just kind of your personal preference in our world 
we have kind of a lot not not this isn't completely the case but a lot of the divines worship in ours are based on the race especially a lot of the non-human races have specific divines they worship and or at the very least specific religious things they do and the humans or Amanians have a variety they worship as well and that's not to say that you're not going to see a terrapin or a kadiska worshiping a human divinity but typically speaking they have their own there are exceptions of course there are definitely exceptions but and this may get more fleshed out and you may understand it a bit more as we start getting more into what we're working on and building but our planet we're currently working on uh, is called amanta by the way and Hence, you know, the human Amanian. They're basically our humans. But we are we've built a world that has, well, I'm trying to think. We were well, we were over 30 races, intelligible races in this world, and all of them with varying backgrounds (laughs) that they come from. And so it didn't make sense to have them all worship the same one especially with how we built it how fractured everything is especially with how i've built the universal system and how our uh, hierarchy works in the deity system for our divines Mm -hmm. it it just with how much freedom we're going to have as game leads and how much freedom players are going to have and i think that's one great thing i want to bring up really quick is just giving players that freedom if they look through our list of divines and they're not really seeing anything that works with their character there's more than enough room for them to come in and say well what if this what would it be all right if i had this divine and that's kind of what we hope to provide in the world as a whole whether we're talking races divinities cities we want the players to have some freedom as well there and that's just going to be a really fun element for the players in my campaign i had a player that came in a little later and they had already an idea for the divine that their character wanted to worship and was a direct part of and that was perfectly fine i even already added it to the list of divines that we have and that's just a way of me already showing and having an example of the system works especially who what who was that is or what that was lou docile okay that's what i was thinking although his character is kind of a unique situation that we ran into (laughs) anyway but this has been a work in progress. It's been a little weird because when we started this, we were in no way intending to go off and incorporate the system I was building into it. It was going to be more of kind of this side thing. And then it, we were just like, well, if we already have done all this work, we might as well just make it all a part of the same thing. And so there's some inconsistencies already. But <laughs> when we flip over, just warning out there to all of our players, uh, when we do flip over to this new system, there will definitely be changes. And we discussed that a little bit with him when he was making the character as well. Uh, his character, he wanted him to be an like an angel, basically, that was on the planet, kind of contributing to the events there. And not to say that a player that's not possible just where 
we're at right now, it would look a little different <laughs> than being an actual archangel, basically. Yeah, especially since we don't really have angels or devils or demons. It's <laughs> you're basically an archimist, and with how the divine system works there's no real like oh here's your heaven here's your hell it's you have your good elements and you have your bad elements and everything in between so there's no real like line to draw it's kind of all flowing together and i really like the idea of that because that allows just for a lot of freedom even for and and this might get into a little bit of a discussion i wasn't sure on how fast you're going to bring this up but the divines having personalities and being able to grow and change and that is and i guess it depends on which ones you're talking about some do tend to be kind of stubborn not that they can't change but there are some stubborn characters within <laughs> our pantheon one thing to touch on with the heaven hell, that's definitely not to say that there aren't places that would be relatable to heaven or hell. It's just there's not that firm line that you see in some of the religions within our world where it's like, you're good, you go to heaven, you're bad, you go to hell. There's definitely some places that would be pretty similar to hell, I would think, in heaven. But oh, there, that, there's just the line's not quite as it's a thin line i guess if, if there's any line there's a little more middle ground there so and yeah. we've discussed a little bit uh real quick just we've discussed a little bit of well it's going to be hard to do that so i might as well just jump into it so how our system works is when a character dies they are basically purged everything they've done throughout that lifetime is basically converted over into power and so when they reach, I'll say, you know, kind of the afterlife, the beyond, they are reacquainted with all of their past lives, everything mm -hmm. that they have lived through, everything that they've done, and they get to reassess who they are as an individual. And you kind of have your own personal realm there, the realm that's all of yours. There's a hall of memories where every life you and everything you've ever done is kept. But that can be bargained with for, for power, depending on decisions the player makes or things you do. There are divines out there that will try to garner that power to increase their own. And that in and of itself could be definitely a form of hell. And, and to also say kind of the reverse is also possible, too, where divines can kind of give some of their power to empower someone that would be considered one of their champions, whether that person's currently on earth or that person, I guess in the afterlife or whatever we decide to call this is that could happen as well. If they were, I guess you'd say reincarnating, could the divine offer them some power as well when they came back down? The idea being is as this person was on the planet, they would basically be putting out word of the divine's name and being a champion of that divine so in theory, a lot of the power, the divine would kind of be able to gain some interest on the power they loaned or gave to this person. Correct me yes. if I'm wrong on that. but No, that's perfectly right. But they do that. And I think this is important to mention. The reason they do that is because the power grows from those that believe in them mm -hmm. so the older a divine is the more power they're usually going to have and then they continue to gain power 
through the lives that follow them. Yes. And they use that power to varying degrees. They can cast miracles. They can create a planet. They can create a species. They can influence in the beyond. They, they can use their power for whatever they want, but depending on how much they use, they can greatly deplete it. And so they're always wanting a source of worship to come in in order to sustain them. And such is one of the reasons for some of the conflicts on <laughs> our planet as well what some divine divines fighting over followers i guess is one way of wording it and in that sense and and maybe it's a good time to just jump into this discussion is it it's in a sense like the greek mythos in a sense of you know we're it develops relationships and power feuds and struggles and maybe not so much on a personal level that they have, but when you're talking a single planet and a few divines that are vying for the vast control of that planet, you can definitely get a lot of interconnectivity and interactions between those divines. Especially if they've been around for a while and the the religions have kind of had time to build up a following. And that's a great way to just... In terms of world building, I think we've kind of committed to the divines can play a really big role or they can play a minor one, depending on how involved we want them. But that's a very important thing to keep in mind when you're world building is to understand, well, how how much do I want the gods, goddesses, divines, whatever you're calling them, how much do I want them to be involved in the world? And they do we do have a mix and it depends on the situation. I don't think we've seen a lot of direct involvement yet in your campaign. Probably the most direct involvement they've given is the divine power that we have learned over the course of your campaign to kind of harness. And that was an ability that was kind of granted to us. And I think each of us, it come, it comes from our specific divine. If I recall, even though Mm -hmm. some of us worship different divinities, but by, kind of praying and or in my character's case I meditate on kind of my power and talk with my deity or ask for guidance that's kind of how I've increased power so there has been that aspect but I don't think we've seen a lot of you know a divine necessarily coming down although I think I have I think my divine has spoken with me at least once they usually leave shaking their head afterward if I recall the interaction but (laughs) Yeah, but and that's mostly due to the background you've chosen mm-hmm. and the ability that that has given you. But yeah, I would agree a lot of the, and that's not to say there isn't divine stuff going on, but a lot of it is background. Yeah, because I think I took the hermit background, which I think allows, oh, I think it's basically like an ask the divinity for an answer to a question is one of the I believe that's correct. I don't really feel like looking it up right this second, to be honest, but I think it's along along those lines. Yeah. yeah, And, and of course my character, as I've role-played him does tend to meditate fairly often. And he really, the divinity we've, we created for him tends to be a hermit divinity. So the fact that he's lived alone a lot of his life, he just has followed his teachings very religiously over the course of his very lengthy life. So he does have a pretty good relationship with the 
divinity. So, and that's just that specific case. But I think we do see, especially in my campaign, society has definitely been shaped by these different divinities we have. The example I was going to pull out would be Palathos and Moribos, who are actually siblings but they have two very different religions behind them where Palathos is more life. And there's actually a city and villa that is essentially ran by an order of paladins that follow him. And then you have Moribos, who is the god of death, one of the gods that kind of has in the death realm. So the two of them typically don't get along very well, although there are other, are other divinities that they both dislike more than each other but they typically do not get along very well well and that's going a little bit into their history they did at one point get along very well even working hand in hand and then tragedy struck the followers of one of them the other one advised closing up shop and basically building a wall and cutting off and and it was to stop basically a very nasty plague going through And so that's when that rift started between them. And they're both for knowledge and strategy in battle, but one is honor and death, one is honor and life. And so they did work very well hand in hand, and you would have people that worshipped both of them and gave respect to both of them. But when that event happened, you started to see that divide. And there's other circumstances that drove them further apart. Not sure how much we want to get into that quite yet. Yeah, we better better Not too many (laughs) spoilers out there for the players, but... Yeah, and so obviously you can have that shaping society is, are there certain temples in all these cities? Is the majority of a city worshiping in in my case, it, the religions exist within both the cities, but it's not necessarily widespread across the different cities. It's not like this whole region wor- worships Moribos and this whole region worships Palathos. But Anvila is a little bit of the exception just because the paladins kind of control the city. So a lot of the people there are followers. Now, you're not necessarily going to be kicked out if you're not a follower. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of... So the, and then the conflict, of course, I we haven't seen too much direct conflict between the two. That being said, there are other. I don't want to talk about this too much because it's going to be coming up in my campaign. There is one of our more evil divinities, though, that is kind of working behind the scenes, and she, of course, loves to see the two of them fighting, and that's one of her. I would say that's one of her preferred games to play is to try to get their followers to fight each other. I think that's safe to say. Maybe not. Yeah. And well, in addition to that, we're talking about a world that's been fractured many times over. And so the races that are still existing, a lot of them are slim to none. Like there, a lot of the races, there's very few of them. I mean, the Amanians and then I think our halflings are <laughs> the most widespread and everything else greatly drops off after that Mm -hmm. and so we do have a lot of races but this world has been fractured so many times a lot of civilizations have gone into hiding or they're very limited to very small corners of this planet and so you do not have you know these you know just massive cities where you know you have and nations of all each of these races it's just 
oh, we have, there's major cities on the continents we've kind of focused on currently, but it's, it's still very fractured and there, especially the belief system. And so you've got all of these divines and you've got a bunch of people basically worshiping a bunch of different ones. And so it's, it's really hard to really pool a bunch of power currently. And so I'd say that's going on, but then you have just the state of what's been happening on the planet is also causing a lot of issues as well. Yeah, and it's hard to get too much into that without giving a lot of things away that we have planned in this current campaign that I'm running, but also for future campaigns as well. So (laughs) unfortunately, we just can't dig too deep into that. We will get there. We will get there, though. But yeah, I want to talk more about it, but we just... (laughs) We definitely do. Yeah, sorry. I I feel like we say that a lot, like, I can't get into this right now, but... The reason we can is because we do have two active campaigns that are going to be canon in the world and lore that we're building. And uh, our play, I do feel, I think that some of our players definitely have confirmed they are listening to the podcast. So thank you for listening, but we're not going to give you too much. Well, we don't want to spoil it for you. It'll ruin the fun. So no one wants that. (laughs) They kind of have an idea of some of what's going on, but there's definitely some different. We have... I think I'm trying to think of all the... We have a representation of quite a few divinities within our group and some some pretty uh, strong differences in which ones they're worshipping too. I'm kind of curious to see if some of them will come to a head later, especially our <laughs> the warlock in mine and what he's been up to. And while he hasn't completely committed himself to his yet, he's definitely going down that path, which is kind of interesting because then we have a priest of moribos in there and yeah it'll be interesting to see although then several of you don't i think really don't follow does desco i should know but i don't desco doesn't does he follow a divine really currently no okay i didn't think so and i don't think Ryder really does either or gunslinger and then we also have a nature paladin um <laughs> there's gonna be a big thing coming up with him where we might actually be creating a divinity for him if he, if what he wants doesn't really match up with what we already have. <laughs> Maybe we'll go through that process in an episode of the podcast too. We'll bring him on here and we can kind of grill him on what he <laughs> wants in a divinity and kind of give you an insight into how we create stuff a little bit. But yeah, that would definitely be an interesting uh, topic to get into. But going back to the Warlock player, you want to talk about walking a fine line, you know, with <laughs> your the divines and what you want your character's purpose to be. And again, obviously, there's a lot of background stuff that, you know, I as a player in your campaign don't know. But from <laughs> a player's perspective, it doesn't look good. And the group has agreed with the majority of what he's been up to. And I'll kind of, it's interesting, I think this is a good time to bring up this story. It's been kind of interesting how it played out, and I guess this goes back to several episodes ago we talked about as a DM, you never really know how things are going to play out. And what happened was the group was looking for this relic of Moribos, and our priest is part of that group, and they had tracked the, it ended up being a book, but they had tracked part of 
this is going to turn into a huge story. So this priest tracked this book down with you guys, your guys's help to the bottom of this under light, this dungeon underneath this lighthouse. And after you guys defeated the, I'll call him an evil, and I don't know if it saves evil. He was actually a former member of the priests of Moribos as well, yes. but mm-hmm. he had kind of been corrupted, and that kind of tied into the priest story a little bit. But I, this would, <laughs> this could be a long story. So, I was thinking, of course, since this book was actually at one point in the possession of the Church of Moribos, that our priest Amadeus would take the book and use it since obviously it makes sense if he's a priest of Moribos, why wouldn't he take the book of Moribos? But our warlock really wanted it. And it just, it was like, no, I want that. It's, 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 and it, and it had some powerful casting stats to it. And I was kind of shocked from a role-playing perspective and just a general loot perspective that the priest let him have it. <laughs> and yeah, no, no fight whatsoever. No, no, that. not really a fight whatsoever and let him have it and since that point the warlock has been digging deeper and deeper into this book and there was a couple interactions where i gave off some information about the book that it actually you're they're not actually sure if it is actually a moribos inspired book regardless of the fact that the church has been using it they're not necessarily sure if it's all moribos's teachings or not and the priest kind of toward the warlock. It's like, well, you can hang on to it, but I'm going to keep an eye on you. And the warlock, okay, and has continued to dig deeper. deeper as warlocks this. do. Yeah, as warlocks as... do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then it's been kind of interesting to see how the group has reacted to it because he has shown some, and there, of course, is stuff going on behind the scenes, I think the group's getting a little more wise to what's happening a little bit, but there has been instances where he has had moments of he's showing power that the group was kind of, it seemed beyond what his capabilities should be. And that has happened several times, not to mention the group has caught him hanging out in a graveyard at least once, maybe twice, you know, reading this book. And there's other times where he's gone missing. And the group has at this point, kind of agreed that they're not sure if what he's up to is necessarily good and he has never openly done anything to betray the group and i you know he seems very attached to them but i think the group's becoming a little suspicious just because of his player you know how he's role-playing and it fits really well it's just i'm actually really curious to see how it plays out but as a dm i was so shocked that you know you're thinking this loot that was designed really for for the priest of the group to take the warlock now has it it's like eh. well we're gonna see how this plays out yeah and i will say the warlock has gotten a little bold with the group there was <laughs> when the group did try to confront him about some of this stuff he did get very defensive and that didn't go over well and i will another point to be made is it seems like these bouts of power have always came when the group needed it it's not most of them have not i don't think any of them have really been for personal gain so he is helping the group there but the group has still questioned him and not gotten i don't think they've been really happy with the answers they're getting so we'll see we'll see how that all plays out but yeah it was kind of a surprise when he got that and i've kind of been trying to deal with it since then but we'll see how that all plays out 
Yeah, as a player, as a player looking out and DM, I was kind of screaming, no, but then, you know, my character really didn't care. Deska's just like, eh, it's a book. Yeah, he didn't have any interest in it, and he didn't really see the... He might be thinking a little bit differently now after seeing what's been happening with it, but in the moment, it wasn't really any reason to not let him have it. So, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I, I think he's going to have to give some answers to the group in order to not we'll see what happens i'm hoping it doesn't i'm i will see how it plays out and our the group in mine it's been kind of an interesting path anyway because the group is more in the i would say they're more of a neutral group they really aren't as they're not goody two shoes but they're definitely not evil i do think they have their own interests at heart most of the time and furthering their whether it's abilities, treasures, I think that's what they're interested in. It's not necessarily the common good of everybody. It's more, I'll do this to help you if I'm also helping myself in the process. So, <laughs> exactly, I would, I would second that. But I would say, from a player's perspective, it has been very interesting to watch the interaction between all of our characters and the growth we've had up to this point in terms of trust and mm-hmm. the different things I feel players and characters are doing to gain trust with other characters, whether that's done in earnest or I'm doing this because <laughs> when, you know, the time comes, I want <laughs> you on my side of the <laughs> table. And, oh, there has been moments where I was sitting back and I'm like, oh, I can see it's interesting with your character because Desco tends to be the tank of the group and he is very strong and every character is strong within their own right. But I, I think the group sees whoever, whoever Desco, whoever's corner he is in is going to have a large advantage over everybody else. And I, I truly don't think the group, everybody in the group is powerful in their own right. I don't, really truly think Desco has any huge advantage over everybody else it just tends to seem that way because he's very tanky Um, a lot of that has to do with his barbarian abilities and the resistance he gets but it's also because the priest always casts haste on you haste on you so you get (laughs) an ungodly amount of attacks so it, it makes he is very powerful but I don't think he's you know he's other characters could take him it's not like he's unstoppable but I, I, the group seems to think that because they're all trying to get in its good, on its good side. In fact, that's how the campaign started, was two of the players trying to recruit you for their <laughs> project. And you weren't so sure at the time because you were a champion in your own right at the arena. Of course, circumstances kind of forced you to join them. But Yeah, well, at a point which they tried to... <laughs> pulled over his head later, like, well, we saved you. And I was just like, did you? Yeah, you, you, I, they they help a little bit, but I, yeah, you kind of saved yourself. Uh, you were as much a part of that, but I, it is interesting to see the. And I'm playing a little bit of a dangerous game, and I'm I am hoping everyone seems to be enjoying the campaign, but I'm hoping it doesn't come back and bite me because I am letting the group kind of play out some of this moral this you know where is the group's moral code who's it is a dangerous line to walk and i'm hoping it doesn't bite me down the road but i think it's made (laughs) for an interesting campaign so far but 
I, I'm hoping it doesn't come to a conflict in game. And I made that comment multiple times when the campaign started is there's going to be a lot of challenges the group's going to face in the world. I prefer you not to fight each other, but I wasn't necessarily going to stop it. And that was just kind of the campaign everybody wanted and everyone seemed okay with that. I, this is getting all, we're getting a little off track here, but that's kind of par for the course at this point. I made a decision as a DM and this was after talking with all the players about if it came down to a fight amongst players, how would we handle that? And after talking with the players, I had decided is I would probably not allow not probably I would not allow a group of the players to kill another player in the group they could fight but most likely what would happen is that that member would be removed from the group and they would come under my control as the dm and that player would have to roll another character and I talked about those with everybody and a lot of people liked the idea of it being a group that was not it wasn't just we're all buddies the whole time they liked the idea of eh, someone in the group might, you know, I can do whatever I want, but I'm going to have to live with the consequence. But, and the reason I elected to not let the players kill each other was I just thought that would create some really bad vibes within the group. And even though that player might lose access to the character, at least they weren't dead. And that was, like I said, that was just a decision I made as a DM after talking with the players in the group. So now the group feels like they have, they can, play whatever games they want but they are all aware that if it comes to it they could easily be kicked out of the group yeah and i think that's again i would say that's a decision you've made but based on all of our feedback so for other dms out there definitely just talk to your players about it and do what's right for your group there is no right or wrong as long as everybody's comfortable and they're good with the rules that have been put before them But I think it's created a really interesting situation because I think everybody in the group is kind of playing their own game in terms of what they're wanting to accomplish, whether that's money, fame, power, whatever their goal is. It's it's set an interesting game where they're all aware that everybody has these games. And I think that's the interesting thing about Desco is I don't really... Had, I didn't really develop a game for Desco, and so he's just very straightforward. And I think that the players are starting to realize that while why, and that's why there's been this like, hey, buddy, like <laughs> you, well, you like money, right? <laughs> and there was a while where they weren't really telling you anything. It was like they were kind of just expecting you to come along for the ride. And it's like, well, what what do I get out of going along on with all these death defying missions? And maybe you would have been okay going along with it, but you weren't even really you weren't it wasn't being explained to you why you were doing these things well and my character was asking that too like what are we doing and everyone would kind of hum and on and it's like no yeah, really what very are, like what are we doing answer <laughs> yeah very simple <laughs> and answer. then we we'd get in town and this is where kind of the underground wrestling stuff really took off is because when we'd get into town somewhere they'd take off and they'd all be doing their you know secret behind the scene stuff and Desco's just left by himself to wander and just like okay (laughs) and a lot of that has improved as the group has become more experienced and I I think we've discussed this before is some of them were a little new to role-playing and I think now it it is 
it's amazing where we've gotten to now. And I think I've set up a really, I'm really happy with where things are at. I just, uh, there are some things that have me a little antsy because, you know, as a dungeon master, you want to make sure everyone's enjoying themselves. And I'm hoping the conflict within the group, like I said, doesn't come back and bite me in the butt. It could, but I hope not. Eh, depends on what some of the players are looking to do. Well, and I wasn't sure which, and to get a little bit back to the divinity and good versus evil, all that stuff is I wasn't sure which direction the group would go. And I'm getting a much better, the moral compass is start. I'm starting to see where it's at now with most characters, but there's a few, I'm not really sure which way they will tilt. Uh, our paladin was tempted with an extremely powerful sword that I thought would, I always, <laughs> he'll listen. And get that. I always had thought the way the paladin <laughs> goes, the group goes. I just, I knew if he went evil and took the sword, I knew the group would go evil. I, I figured, and you and I had even discussed if that had happened, you didn't necessarily want Desco to go the evil route, and you probably would have ended up having him leave the group at that point in time. And yeah, I I had a plan for if the group decides to go evil, I'm going to re-roll a character. And I kind of wanted to give him that temptation early because I'm like, I want the group to kind of, I want to just based on how I want to build the campaign, I want to know if they're going to go more evil or good. And I think he has pretty much at this point decided he's not going to use it. And several of the other characters have had mm -hmm. temptations as well, including Desco. And yep. I've kind of seen <laughs> where they're going and most of them have chosen to not become corrupted. So we'll, we'll see where this all lands and another thing i know like i said we're way off topic it, it makes sense though it, it does tie in a little bit with you know the con i think it ties in with the conflicts because a lot of this is started with this book <laughs> and some of the divinities they follow but we'll kind of see we'll see we'll see over the next year <laughs> what happens there'll be some revealing things coming up soon but we can well, get back this to is... divinities themselves yeah, go yeah. Ahead. well and this is what i was getting at with a lot of the divine stuff being in the background it's not really at the forefront and that's I think that's a really good way to build it you know they may be if they're going to be active you want them the majority of the time more behind the scenes I know there are uh, there are things out there that put put them more at the front and and I think that's fine i personally I just prefer them more playing through the back and we've worked on putting our stories together after the events of my campaign and the events of your campaign and what is happening in both of them is very critical and important to where those stories are going to go and there will definitely be more divine may i shouldn't say there will be there's a good possibility that the divine intervention will be a little more hands-on down the road depending on the threats but we'll see <laughs> that but might I be 20 years from now but <laughs> <laughs> oh please not that long <laughs> no, it, yeah, no it won't be eh, well at that point who knows i mean are we gonna have like weapons that can defeat the divinities there's gonna be some big laser cannon that <laughs> uh, no i'm joking <laughs> so this is another little small tidbit is it's kind of interesting how you and i have created this divinity system because a lot of it you had kind of created on your own 
and then I had had some ideas myself and actually created a small pantheon myself. And when we decided to turn this into more of a combined world, we actually mm-hmm. combined a little bit of what we had. And to be honest with you, sometimes I'm not even sure which of the stuff you created and which stuff I created. Because <laughs> I mean, there's been times where I'm like, did I come up with this name or you, or did I, come? And like, I, I don't know. Or sometimes you'll remember one. And I'm just, maybe that's a good thing, but it's kind of it. Cause you had the groundwork for a lot of this laid, but I had some things I was specifically wanting to do. And I am happy to say you were happy to accommodate me. And it actually has worked out really, really well for us. And I, there isn't the only really religion in our world that we, I really hate to say we based it on this was the Greek gods. And part of that was with me. I just, it's something I am interested in. I like the stories of the Greek gods. I thought they were, I've always thought they were fascinating and I've done a little bit of research into them. So that's just kind of what I wanted to base them on. Now, that being said, they're not, the gods that we have aren't specifically based on uh, here's Zeus, here's Hera. I more like and you had said this earlier, I'm more like that family structure in the fact that these divinities are interacting. That's the part that we wanted to build on. And that's what I really like about the Greek gods and goddesses is there's all these interrelated cogs going on. And that's, that's really what we based it on. Not so much Zeus himself there, that, that there is like a more of a father figure one, but that's the only thing he really has in common with Zeus is that he's the father of several of the other divinities. And that isn't saying it the father of the whole divine realm. Yeah, no, definitely it's, not. It, well, and then, you know, when you had first brought this to me, uh, again, I'm a big fan of Greek mythology, one of my favorite subjects going through college, uh, high school and college, just absolutely love the mythos and the lore and all of, all of the different stories that have been told. And I guess you can say we've kind of taken a bit of that, but instead of focusing it on just everything or being the the planet, everything centered on this planet, we've bumped it to a universal scale. Yes. And, and that's, and I have our whole, and so the half that I kind of added into all of this was building basically the universal system and so I built it with you know we have a universe and you know you it's just this massive thing and there is a multiverse but I I won't get into a lot of the specifics (laughs) of that right now but there is there is a multiverse with their own universes but each universe is sentient when it's born and you know, just to read a, a quote from when I was writing about my universe, the universe we're building in uh, starts as, who am I? Silence holds me on the precipice of self-discovery. I am alone. Am I alone? And that's how I'm really building this universe when it's born it's sentient but think of like a newborn sentient computer where within it it has the chaos of its birth and so you have these random sparks of life that start appearing and from those random 
sparks of life, the universe is learning from that. It's learning about emotion. It's learning about pain. It's learning about pleasure and happiness and all the different sensations that life creates. And as that life develops, so too does the universe and it builds and builds and gets more and more complex. And within that consciousness, that combined consciousness of the universe and all the life within it, that is where you have the divines and the knowledge of of that universe being kept within. And that's at the center of everything else that's happening. And so there are larger scale threats to not just the planet, but to the universe itself that that the divines, might be 20 years down the road. <laughs> the divines work together to to stop that from happening. But And that would be, that is something that we definitely will hope to get to. One, one little tidbit to say on that is, so there are more of these divines that are universal. And, you know, there's different planets that could worship them. But there are also some that are more specific to a planet, too. Yes. So just just as a little tidbit to add on to that. Well, and I think, again, this was what I was referring to earlier uh, in our discussion was you can have very localized, uh, a very localized pantheon of divines that are really focused on a planet and whether or not they believe that planet has a future or there's a lot there for them to gain or they've just committed so much of themselves to it that they're just in it now and it's like well I need this to keep going and that's not to say other and and this gives us a lot of freedom there could be another planet out there that has a whole different pantheon and hierarchy there could be planets out there that have the same divine and I think that's the fun part of the system. I think that's what really opens it up to not just you and me to create in this world, but for other people to come in and build what they want to build without having to feel restricted to, well, all I can do is work from what you're what But the nice thing me. is they would have our stuff and say, exactly. I just say more of those could be present. this would be a little odd, but it would definitely be within the realm of possibility is you could have Moribos on a planet, but maybe they don't like Palathos. So on the specific planet, Moribos fights with some other random divinity they've made. It just so happens for whatever reason, Palathos has never gotten a foothold on that planet. But they, so they can use our divinities as a a base of stuff that information is there if they want it, but it doesn't have to be used. Exactly. And, and then it, you can use part of it, you could use some of it, and that could lead to fun crossovers. And you could get into really any aspect of world building or any type of world you want to build, you can really dive into and do everything you want without feeling restricted. And, and that was what I feel was the heart and soul of what we were trying to create is just something that people could go into and not feel restricted or limited. And I think that, that being said too, (laughs) we have uh, that being said to our players, especially one of the players, I am sorry when you're, when you are on a planet that someone's created, obviously there are going to be restrictions, but meaning more in the sense of creating. Yeah. We have a, 
and we've talked about him a lot, and he is probably going to be DMing at some point. The problem is a lot of the stuff we've created, whether it's in your campaign or mine, we've kind of worked a lot of stuff out already, and we have him wanting to influence, like, no, I want to do this and this. And it's actually not that they're bad ideas, and some of them are things we already have planned. It's just, I can't go ahead and let you do that now because this is going to happen two years from now in the campaign or in the next campaign. And we've ran into that. And that is just, I guess, something to be aware of as a DM. And our system is a little different just because we do give a little more, we plan on giving a little more power to the other players. So our system is a little different. In D&D, you probably don't want to let them, just because of the nature of D&D, and if you've taken the time to create a world yourself, you don't necessarily want to play it. And you can let them tinker with it, of course, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Ours is going to be a little more moldable for the players. Well, and that's something going into this that I really wanted from a tabletop was a system where if we wanted if we wanted to run a campaign with superhero-like characters, super-powered characters, you could do that. And it Definitely. wouldn't be it wouldn't be like, oh, I can't, there's no system for this. So how do I balance this or you know how do I run a campaign that's going to have challenges for for them? And obviously, there's still a lot of work to get in there. But I, I think the start of, you know, everything we're building is there. And I think, well, and this also goes into the the div- divinity system and how it's set up and kind of in the beginning, you know, talking about, you know, the quote, death isn't the end, but the beginning so when a player dies, I, I had said they go to, I basically call it the spirit space right now. It's kind of the scientific name, the spirit space. And within that spirit space, after they've been cleansed and they return to their own realm, provided they haven't made any weird deals or packs or have signed everything away to another divine, <laughs> hopefully they haven't. Uh, you have the freedom. You have the freedom to pursue uh, desires there. It could even simply just to live in peace within your own realm of which you can shape and mold to your liking. Or you can choose to return to the sphere. And, you know, that kind of gets into the... And we've had lengthy discussions about this. It gets into the topic of reincarnation and... Which we you know, definitely being, get into. <laughs> we, we, that, that's a whole yeah major thing we could get into. But there are stages of, there is a reason within the system to live another life. And it all has to deal with gaining power for that afterlife. So one thing I think would be interesting to bring up here, and we could talk about this a little bit with several different examples, but I've been playing... Zelda Skyward Sword and it's interesting Zelda has an interesting divinity system because every game they seem to change (laughs) how the divinities work a little bit which the storyline of that I understand you know when you're making games over the course of several (laughs) more than several generations worth of consoles and I don't know how many games they have in the series now you have all of these different divinity every game the structure changes a little bit. So I understand why they have to do that, but we could, you could just do that as every campaign that just <laughs> roll the dice and see how the divinities fall and whatnot. 
Well, I know the what there's the main three, you know, that are I can't think of their names, uh, but you know, the power, wisdom, courage, the tri- yeah, the, wisdom, the triforce, and, yeah. And then I know like the others, they're not. I guess they are deities, but they call them spirits, and I think there's different things that they call them in different games. But it, it definitely the makeup of their system seems to change and i think there is that light versus dark thing they have going on a lot yeah. too and because there's always like ganon represents the dark but then he also has a piece of the triforce which is kind of interesting but there always seems to be a slight different and maybe i'm it's i've read a lot and i've i've actually skyward sword is the last game i have to play in the series and i will beat all of them so i'm pretty experienced but it's been over the course of my life i've played them so i can't act like i'm an expert but i thought usually there is a group it's usually like a race that was like a predecessor mm-hmm. race and some of them and they represent the light but then there was the evil ganon who did this and then he gets and there's this reincarnation thing going on and i think that's how a lot of their stories are like the hero of time is reborn again and again in these different settings and then some of the games are connected a little i think because mm-hmm. i think majora's mask takes place right after Orc Arena of Time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then there's sure. a couple other ones that branch. I've, there's a chart you can look up somewhere. I think there's three different storylines, and a lot of them converge on Orc Arena of Time. And I think a lot, one of them has to do, it's like if Link loses to Ganon in the temple, there's a branch off of that. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that rambling, please consider supporting our podcast. You can show your support for The Lost Geeks on Facebook and Discord. We anticipate your collective feedback and suggestions. We would like to offer our sincere thanks to Nomad. That's K-N-O dot M-A-D for providing his musical talents. You can discover him for yourself right here on Spotify. We hope you return for our next episode. And I do apologize for the cutoffs. If I don't stop them, then no one will. They are lost after all. Till next time, my lord.